Welcome to the Triclinium, a podcast named after the three-sided table used in the Lord's Supper, where you are invited to join the three of us as we think through matters of Christian faith, practice, and community. My name is Nate Lead, and I'm here with my co-hosts, as always, Eric Burgers and Jacob Hawley, and today we're going to be talking about fasting. So, to get us started, uh, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what's your experience been with fasting? Uh, do you guys have a regular rhythm of fasting, uh, and what does that look like for you guys? Oh, man, I, we've been in the theory world for the past, you know, like, a long, long time, and I feel like I just got called out. <laughs> uh, what's my past with fasting? Uh, not great. <laughs> uh, I am no expert. Uh, That's important, though, Jacob, because I feel like, especially for, like, me too, like, I get so caught up in, like, conceptual, like, ideas yeah. and, like, oh, yeah, conceptual, the abstract. The, yeah, abstract theology that, like... I don't feel like we've talked about well we have but like probably not emphasize nearly enough the practicality of some of our theology as well so I think this will be a healthy Perhaps. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all right, fine. Yeah, um I so I weigh and don't don't tell anybody this, this is a secret. I weigh 105 to 110 pounds at any given point. Don't tell anybody, um, but I'm going to say it for everybody to hear on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my little secret. Um, so I I can't make it fasting very long. So I there was a point this last year where I was doing little segments of fasting. Um, I would say my fasting is not a regular rhythm. Um, it's pretty sporadic. I can usually make it up to missing two meals in a row. But after about two meals, I start getting, like, lightheaded and, like, I can't think straight. Um, so, and, like, I'll usually get a pretty Rick, uh, Rick Roaring headache. So, um, I think I said Rick Roaring. I think it's Rip Roaring. I don't... That was funny. I've never okay, heard never. that saying. But I, yeah. rip, I, I didn't know a what rip you're talking about. A rip-roaring good time, but rick-roaring, like Richard-roaring, I guess. I don't know. I, that was that was a, a weird slip of the tongue. Um, but anyway, so I mine has been, it's been sporadic. I have a funny story related to fasting. Um, when it, we, I was a, a kid, I was like probably 18, 19, just fresh out of high school. I was... Uh, interning with a, a guy at my church and um, awesome guy who was one of the biggest mentors in my life. Um, anyways, I had this like heartbreak, um, you know, it was like a romantic heartbreak moment. Um, and he was, he saw how distraught I was. And so we went out fasting. And so we went to the grotto and we walked around and, um, and, you know, this was, I think my first real time fasting. I don't think I had fasted before this. And, um, we drank so much coffee that morning, but we didn't eat anything. Oof. And he was, he was diabetic. Oh, <laughs> so, so we, we get, we pull up in the parking lot and he goes, listen, man, I think I'm going to be fine. But like, in case I'm not, here's this pen. And if I like start going into like diabetic shock, I need you to jam this thing into my leg as as like fast as you can and i was like i feel like you should just eat something like i don't want to do this anymore i just i don't want to play this game well yeah <laughs> i didn't realize i didn't realize this is a life uh you know like i didn't realize your life was on the line here um so anyways i was just walking around and you know i'm like trying to pray and and be all spiritual but like half the time i'm just thinking like oh my gosh please don't go into diabetic shock please don't go into diabetic shock 
So it was it was pretty bad. And then I was we were both like completely destroyed that evening because we we had just downed so much coffee that morning and eaten nothing. So all our energy was just gone. But yeah. So wow. there's my funny story. <laughs> Was he okay? He didn't go into diabetic shock. Oh yeah, he he was fine. He was fine. He knew himself pretty well, but but yeah, that was a weird. That would be very stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt like I was a nurse walking around with him all day. <laughs> Probably not the best introduction to fasting. No, <laughs> but but it was great. It, it was it was actually it was a really meaningful experience for me because he tied fasting to an incredibly practical. Um, you know, like the the theory of fasting, he tied it in, to a, an incredibly practical um, outlet for me. Like I I was I was deeply sorrowful that day, and he made it a meaningful. Um, he he gave me a way of of kind of dealing with my my sadness that was um, that, that felt right. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, f- yeah right? I feel like that that's kind of a healthy, even like just biblical way of approaching fasting too like mm-hmm. how many times do you read i think both old and new testament but i have the old testament specifically in mind like there was weeping and fasting or like prayer and fasting mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. over some cataclysmic event that that happens if if there's some sort of judgment or something i'm thinking mostly of of times of exile that you see um where the people are just mourning and fasting and and weeping but it's yeah, I mean, yeah. there's something about, I, I think maybe we should talk about, like, the underlying principle of, of what fasting is, because, like, I think the reason you see that so repetitively, like, throughout the Old Testament is, like, <clears throat> fasting is there because um, it's almost like a a recognition well, you're recognizing something's going wrong, and I'm speaking in this category of like how you see in the Old Testament. It says mourning and then fasting or something like that. Something's clearly gone wrong, and mm-hmm. fasting is like a denial of yourself and your your personal like bodily cravings to say that I want God more than everything that's going on around me, even things that are innate within me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm going to pour myself, pour my devotion and attention and desire. I'm going to order that towards God rather than, uh, you know, kind of cave to everything that's going on around me. So it's almost like an outlet. Like I'm turning myself like in reality to God, despite things that, that may be going wrong. And so I, I think that's one healthy way that fasting can be done. I don't think you only fast when, when things are going bad or wrong or something. Mm. But I think that, I think your experience there kind of lines up with the, the biblical testimony in in my view. Yeah. And that's probably why he had us do it because he was, he was pretty well spiritually set. He was a pretty knowledgeable guy. Um, I will say when you said innate, I heard innate, innate. like in, 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 in. Yeah. Said not just in ourselves, but you know the things that are innate. And I was like, innate as well. <laughs> this is Guts. funny. Where that lined up. So speaking of Nate, what what has your experience been with with fasting? Yeah, so fasting has been viewed at I guess from my perspective as more of a health related practice. Uh, mm. There's a huge wealth of information and it's really popular right now to talk about intermittent fasting 
mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially it's fasting for shorter periods of time uh, in order to basically reset the body. So mm-hmm. inter- intermittent fasting can be done every day. It can be done a couple times a week, or it can be done for longer stretches of time once or uh, once a week or a couple times a month. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. interesting too. So uh, there's this series on Disney Plus called Limitless with Chris Hemsworth, mm. and he plays Thor in the Mar- in the Marvel movies, and you know he's a great actor and everything. And uh, this series on Disney Plus is from National Geographic. It's actually directed by Darren Aronofsky. And uh, oh. it's it's wonderful. I mean, it is a fantastic series. And every episode is Chris Hemsworth overcoming a specific challenge uh, related to hmm. uh, physical limitations. So hmm. the first episode is uh, Stress Proof. And so in that entire episode, he's trying to learn more about his body's uh, stress reaction and uh, ultimately tame it in order for him to accomplish a task. And that task at the very end is a 30-foot crane walk there and back, 30 feet, on top of a skyscraper in Sydney, Australia. Golly. So, so you can imagine, just you know, picture it in, in your mind, a skyscraper, you know, extremely tall building, there's a crane mm-hmm. extending over the edge of it, and you have to walk out there no. and back mm-hmm. and no. and do Nothing. it in a way to where you don't shut down and actually accomplish it. So it, it's really Jeez. interesting. You know, the whole, sh- the whole premise of the show is awesome. And one of the episodes is on fasting. And uh, so they have Chris Hemsworth meet with Dr. Peter Atia. And he's kind of a wellness health expert. He has a great book called Outlive. I really want to read it. I haven't read it yet. But um, in that episode, they have Chris go on a four-day fast. Uh, water only. So four mm. days. No, no, fa- uh, no eating. It's pretty um, significant. It's very significant. And they talk about uh, what's actually going on in the body when that happens. And it's mm. really interesting. Uh because essentially, I'm gonna probably butcher this, and somebody's gonna be yelling at their at their phone. But uh, just go with me on this, because I've only seen it <laughs> once. So essentially, what's ha- what happens when you fast is that you move your body from a state of surplus to a state of scarcity. So your body mm. has to use the energy, the carbs, everything that's already in the body uh, for energy. So it breaks down the things in your body versus. Uh, storing all the excess uh, that mm. you take in regularly. Um, so when your body breaks down those things in your body already, it helps to basically flush the system because in your um, in your veins, in your blood cells, uh, mm-hmm. there are, I believe, these things called zombie cells, and it's just dead cells that can actually infect the cells around them. Uh, mm. So when you fast, it actually helps to clear out that system because your body goes into overdrive to use what's already in your system. So oh, interesting. It kind of acts as a clearing out of uh, of those dead cells, which helps to lead to longevity and actually makes your body more efficient. And so they actually interview a couple of people. Um, they interview a, a tribe. I can't remember where. I believe it was Kenya. But they interview a tribe, and this this tribe, you know, they they're a hunter gatherer society, and uh, mm. so they're regularly hunting, and they go days normally without food in between hunts, 
and they、hmm. talk about how it helps them to、uh, actually get sharper. It actually sharpens their their eyes, their, so their vision. It sharpens their mind. It kind of puts them into that uh, that uh, like single track state of mind, where you're yeah, o- you're yeah. focused on one thing ultimately, and、um, and then you go and, and do that thing. Uh, hmm. So it's really interesting because at the end they also have Chris Hemsworth. He has, in order to eat, he has to go out and、uh, spearfish for his dinner. So they、hmm. talk about these this、uh, this chemical component called ketones in your body.、Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know that the higher the ketones,、uh, the more focused and kind of more that like energy burst you get. Uh, hmm. So the whole show, they're showing or they're measuring Chris's ketone levels, and、um, it, it's kind of cool because at the end they they measure his ketones, and it's like he get, he got a spike、uh, when he was going out and fishing, and then he's able to、hmm. actually go out and、uh, spearfish, and、um, it, it's a great show. I would really recommend it,、uh, especially if you're interested in health and wellness and all these kinds of things because. It, for one, it's a beautiful show, but also there's just a wealth of information and knowledge、um, that that you get from it as well. So anyway, sorry, that that's a super long-winded way of just saying that fasting is really seen in society today as a health,、uh, yeah, activity. Yeah.、Um, and there's a lot of science that that backs that up,、uh, that there's benefits to fasting for your health.、Um, so I feel like fasting is more of a more of a health practice, less so. Maybe it's more disconnected from the spiritual,、um, yeah, side of things, and、uh, you know it's really interesting because when you w- when you break down what it is, especially from the spiritual side. So let, let's switch a little bit from going from from health to、uh, spiritual, because when、mm-hmm. when you fast, you know you, your body only needs three things to survive. You know you need、mm-hmm. food, water, and shelter. You know so that you're not Exposed to the elements, so that your body is hydrated and so that your body is fueled. If you have those three things,、mm. you you can survive.、Um, and so when you take that out, when you take food out of that equation, you're literally removing something that your body is requires. You know that it needs in order to survive.、Um, yeah. In order to take that time and energy and focus it more so on the Lord. And so I think that. One, there's a little bit of a disconnect because I mean that that is just a wild、uh, practice in and of itself to think like, hang on, I'm going to remove one of the things that I need for survival in order so that I can, you know, spend more time、uh, praying and and being with the Lord and you know thinking on those things holier than this world.、Um, hmm. it, it's a crazy concept、uh, to begin with, but there's something that's so、um, important there. Yeah, so I think you're beginning to bridge on it.、Um, I, will, I will say really fast. I feel like, you know, we we started this episode like I don't really know if I have anything to say about about fasting. I don't know if I have any, and we're already like you know <laughs> you're, you're recalling all this all this stuff.、Um, so thank you for that, Nate. That was actually really interesting.、Um, I think that will come up in our later discussion, like what what it's doing to the body and and the way that like perhaps. This is actually a function of ancient peoples being able to say, "We've we've found that there are that there are are 
cognitive and um, conscientious benefits to fasting. That that you know, like it's it's almost a um, a training of sorts in in um, in whatever practice. And so, of course, it applies to the spiritual, even though we moderns love to take the spiritual out of things and and everything's material. Um, <laughs> but so the 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 question then is. How have you guys heard, like in your churches, what what is fasting for? Like, what? How has it been explained to you? Like, here's why we fast as Christians. Like, how, what does the church say about that? <clears throat> yeah, from my in recollection, I think I've I've had pretty good explanations or expositions of of fasting in the churches that I've been in. Um, what's what's been abundantly clear to me. As I've looked at fasting, heard about fasting, um, read about fasting, um, is that fasting, and even as I'm just right now, I'm kind of surveying the, the biblical texts that talk about fasting, like what's abundantly clear is that fasting has to have a purpose behind it, namely seeking seeking the face of God and seeking his will or seeking um you know, some sort of possible even like revelation or something from God. I'm I'm not saying like <laughs> I'm not a charismatic, so I, I don't speak about revelation maybe the same way you guys might, but we'll change that one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um anyways. But like fasting all like seems to me f- like biblically speaking to always have some sort of uh, purpose in mind like it doesn't seem to be a category to me to like fast for the sake of fasting like i'm just yeah. i'm just not going to eat food just because the bible says so you know hmm. um there's always like i'm not going to eat food like because i'm seeking god and his will in this specific thing in my life so like mm-hmm. an example of this would be like <clears throat> i guess i i can use a personal experience is like when I was deciding whether or not to move to Kentucky and what I should do mm-hmm. after college, like I wanted, I really wanted to see what God's will was for me, what I should do when I'm finished with college, like mm-hmm. because that had severe implications not just for me but for my family in the future too. And right, so my right. my purpose, so I, I fasted personally, and my purpose was I want to understand what God would like me to do in this mm-hmm. scenario. Um, and I think that was made clear to me over over time. I'm not sure. I can't recollect if it was during that time of fasting that that came, but it, it definitely, mm-hmm. as Nate I think was kind of pointing out with his examples, like it helps to like reorient and refocus your mind, like to think clearly about something that you're dealing with in your life. And I think that's what you yeah. see like consistently, like biblically. Um, is like biblical characters like like I was saying earlier something happens or they desire something and so they want to understand what God wants for them and fasting like denying things that are all of the exterior things that might be impacting you when you're facing a certain scenario and trying to just solely focus and say, God, I want to understand what you want from me. I want to understand what your will is in this scenario um, mm. is extremely clarifying, I would think, um, and has significant spiritual impact. And so um, I, I feel like I've been consistently told kind of that, um, <laughs> that explanation of fasting in, in church 
in sermons, what have you, um, throughout my life. Um, so I, I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is like, uh, fasting is to be done with a purpose. Um, and the purpose is to seek what, what God's will is, um, in your life for whatever it it may be, I guess, whether it's big or whether it's small, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's me. I I don't know what you guys, uh, Nate, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was was really good. Yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah. Fasting has always, I think, um, for one, fasting's always been talked about in, uh, like, times of need, essentially. So, like, uh, or w- whenever fasting is brought up in church, it's always in the context of um, uh, of a need or of a desire to see God move in a specific way. Um, mm-hmm. And then, for you know, secondly, I think fasting has always been paired with prayer. Um. So when we were at our last church, yes. uh, the young adults yeah. pastor had a great uh, sermon on fasting, and mm. uh, he talked about it in the context of um, actually having a purpose for your fast. You know, not just fasting to fast. You know, which is what you mentioned earlier, Jacob. Um, yeah. But fasting, in order to understand more about who God is, you know, the, uh, there's a couple of different things he talked about, but. One of the things that he did was invite uh, everybody in the room, which was the whole young adults ministry. He invited everybody into a fast, and he said, "Hey, actually, next week, uh, I'm going to invite you guys into a fast." Or he's like, "On this specific day, we're going to mm-hmm. fast the entire day." And then he gave a couple of things that we could be uh, praying for, or thinking about, or uh, mm. y- you know, mm. being in communication with God about. So, like, a, so, some of those things were just like prayers for the church or prayers for uh political leaders or or prayers for you know the conflicts that were happening in the world at that time it was russia ukraine uh, was on everybody's mind so uh, mm-hmm. it's like fast with that in mind you know fast with um with prayerful intent um to see god move in this way uh or for you know the community partners or whatever he gave a whole bunch of different examples which was awesome and um so then he invited everybody into a fast uh, on Wednesday. So Wednesday night was like everybody's last meal mm-hmm. two weeks from that sermon. So he, it, there was a young adult Slack group and everybody who was there was in that. And uh, so that's mm. how they got all, all the communication. So people nice. were encouraged to like have their last meal on Wednesday and then go the entire day through Thursday, uh, no food. And then that was the next like young adults uh, meetup basically. And then mm. everybody would break their fast at dinner at young adults. So mm. it, it was kind of this beautiful example of like, you know, fasting in community uh, and then breaking that fast also in community for a specific purpose um, yeah. with prayerful intent as well. So yeah. that, that's kind of the example that stands out to me. I think if I were to try and recall uh, like other sermons on fasting, I don't know. I feel like there's there. I haven't seen many sermons specifically on fasting. Um, but they talk about fasting when it's brought up in scripture. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's just kind of talked about like something they did or very rarely have I seen a church actually call their congregation to a fast for a specific reason. Yeah. Well, and, and beyond that, you could say, especially definitely the church does not call 
uh, at least in the Protestant setting, the churches usually do not call their congregations to regular and routine fasting, right? right. Like that is that is very uncommon. Right. Um, no, I think, but I think Nate, you were bridging on, like, I I would say exactly the 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 point. It's funny. I was looking at um, some notes that I wrote down from uh, a talk I gave on fasting with my students, like a year ago or something like that. And at the very bottom, it it talks about like fasting for the war in Ukraine. So I wonder if it was around the same time that we were doing this. Um, but yeah, um, I would say, so in, in the midst of researching for this one a while back, um, something interesting stood out to me. Um, it says that I, I read that there were only a few instances in which the people groups that surrounded Israel, so not Israel, but the people around them, practiced fasting fasting was very uncommon in that area which you would think like it would be like a pretty common practice um you would think it's kind of a you know like a, a pre-modern approach to the world is that fasting is like a genuine um or, or a, a just a, a general practice right um no it was actually very uncommon and i i actually am wondering whether the judeo-christian worldview is part of what brought fasting uh, up as a uh as a prominent part of the the world's um, continual practices, it is interesting. I'd say that the that the major religions that you could point to that fast, um, are, I would I would say from my I I'm limited in my knowledge here, but I would say are largely Abrahamic. So, you know, maybe there is something there. Um, but regardless, um, there were a couple of reasons that people around Israel would fast. One of them was if they were sick. So there's that feeling. It's a very bodily thing, right? Like when you're when you're not feeling well, like there are times where you just you don't feel like you can eat. So you you um you keep yourself from eating. So that was one association with with purposefully forget or uh, forgoing food. The other was if you there were a couple instances, and this is this is what caught my attention, of if you had fallen in love. So if there were, if there was a romantic, like, moment and that affection that you had towards somebody, mm. it, it's like that butterflies in the stomach. It, it makes you, like, like obsessed with, um, with, with that person to the point where you almost begin to forget your own, your own needs, your own, like, your own bodily needs. So I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. That is um, interesting. So to tie that to our practices of prayer and fasting... I think there is an element that you could almost say it's it's like we we do like I think there is an element in which it is a recognition of our sickness um right we 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 are sick in our souls <laughs> um and and it's a maybe a a recognition of the of the sickness of the human condition um that, yeah, like that. causes us to at times I I think especially like in the in the face of significant loss um you'll see people go into into almost automatic fasting they just kind of forget to take care of themselves Uh, um right so like if you lose a loved one like a really close loved one so like you lose a child you lose a parent you lose a spouse yeah um you'll just see people i think tend towards um either really unhealthy eating Mm -hmm. or just not eating at all because they just don't feel like they can stomach it right it's too much Mm -hmm. um and 
uh, I so I think there's a part of it there, like it's it's almost a bodily reaction to the brokenness um, that you're confronted with, and then I think in the same way, it's it is it can be an obsessive quality, like you you're so obsessed with this thing, with someone or something that you begin to like forget to take care of your most basic needs. Your appetite for this thing surpasses your appetite for food. Um, it, it, it squelches it for a second. So, um, you know, I, I, I would say, um, in my understanding, it's a little more what Nate was talking about of like, it's not so much a generic trying to just like come close to God, but usually when I, whenever there's, you know, a sense of fasting in, in the circles that I walk in, fasting is like particularly tied to situations and circumstances in our lives that we would like to see a reversal of or that we are mourning and lamenting right so there's a there's a, a specific tie to either that sickness of like i've seen something so broken that i don't know what to do with it right i've, or I've i'm enduring something so broken that i i can't help but fast um or the reversal where it's like i am so obsessed with with having this longing met this appetite fulfilled for me that I can't think about eating right now or that I that I you know it's it's almost the it's the bodily expression of that degree of of desire and longing um so I thought those were interesting that that specifically those two things were the things that came up as as potential reasons why somebody who maybe doesn't even believe in a god um or who believes in many other gods than the gods that we believe in mm -hmm. might fast it's like huh so maybe there is something that is something really endemic about that is, fasting. That is interesting. I I do wonder though, like would you call that like let's say let's take your example of, of the individual who like perhaps has a close loved one pass away, like mm -hmm. um and and they're struggling with it. And and you you said something like, Well, some like something in them like they just forget to take care of themselves. They forget to eat or something. Like, would you mm -hmm. call that fasting, or are you just trying to like make a connecting principle to like? Because I, I think I would want to make a distinction. Like that would seem more like starv starvation to me. Like they're just, mm. they're literally starving themselves. Like rather because they're so like overcome by a traumatic experience. I, and fasting yeah. seems to have a bit more of an intentionality. Like behind it to me sure. like biblically speaking but that being said i think i see your point like your underlying point there is that like our tendency as human beings to like shove aside our appetite for something that like we are dealing with on like a more grand scale i guess like yeah. is somewhat innate i think is what you're saying like it happens innate <laughs> inside of Nate. sorry i don't know why i keep saying innate that's that's weird that's really funny though. Yeah. I, I, like, now i can't now i can't unhear yeah. it like, <laughs> but every conversation i'm gonna start working in in eric, <laughs> in <Yeah>. eric. <laughs> anyways that's funny. um do you see what i'm saying though like i think yeah, i see yeah. like your connecting point there but i do wonder if we should make a distinction maybe between the two like because yeah, i'm not sure I that i would call absolutely yeah. Nate, jump in i think that that is a, a great point eric and uh what i'm thinking about actually goes back to what you were talking about jacob and how fasting wasn't a very common practice uh in the ancient world and uh i, I was going to make a distinction there uh, between voluntary and involuntary fasting 
So voluntary mm. fasting is, you know, the, the ones that we see for health benefits or for um, the spiritual practices uh, as a spiritual practice. And involuntary mm -hmm. fasting is uh, when they're when you don't have the ability to eat food, you know, for one. So that that could be one of the reasons why it wasn't very, a very common practice in the ancient world was because, well, voluntary fasting wasn't very big in the ancient world because yeah, yeah. Uh, involuntary fasting was. <laughs> you know, you, a huge part of their lives, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, a big part of their lives was food scarcity, you know, and that's why right. uh, obesity was actually seen as a sign of wealth. Uh, for so many, right. in, in so many cultures through so many years, you know, that's why a lot of, uh, like, uh, Buddha statues are the images of him, uh, obese and overweight, you know, cause that's, that's mm. a sign of plenty, you know, he, he has access yeah, to yeah. food and wealth and riches that, you know, that to where he can satisfy his hunger. Um, and so, you know, but involuntary fasting is, uh, also along those lines of what Eric is talking about with you know, the, these traumatic experiences that come up in our life. Um, and it, it like, it almost kind of breaks you. Like it almost breaks your, your bodily systems, your, your mental uh, faculties, you know, to the point yeah. where it's like, yeah, food's not important right now, you know? So yeah. I, I would probably call that involuntary fasting. Um, but I think that a broader point as well, uh, something that I've been kind of working through just in my mind in this conversation, um, is that, you know, it's, so, it's such a strange practice to remove the thing that is required for life, sustenance, calories. Mm -hmm. It's a strange thing to remove that for a period of time. Um, but I think that that just goes to show kind of the upside down world of the kingdom and that, mm -hmm. um, that the Lord is able to take these things that we would, we would say, man, that's bad. Like, why would you fast? Like, why, you know, obviously mm -hmm. these things are terrible, but he works it for our good. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I'm thinking of a bunch of different examples as well, like, um, hmm. just to support that point of the upside down kingdom. Um, you know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Well, uh, the right, savior right. comes out of Nazareth. Um, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the, yeah, the unveiling of, of, uh, of the reality beyond what we see. Right. Exactly. And how, and how. Yeah. God is the only one who can take what is meant for bad and turns it for good. You know, he, he yeah. can give uh, good meaning to horrible things that happen. Um, and, uh, you know, fasting is one of those things. So, so in, in voluntary fasting, you know, where you don't choose to mm -hmm. fast, I think in, even in that situation, the Lord can come alongside somebody in that situation and turn that for good and, and draw near to them. Um, yeah even if they might not have the explicit intent of um, fasting to, to be close to the Lord, you know, for somebody who loses a loved one and, and they are involuntary fasting because their body is rejecting food and they, they don't eat for several days or mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be, uh, the Lord can turn that circumstance into something really good and comfort them and um, give them the peace that surpasses all understanding and actually come alongside them in that moment and, and support them through that pain yeah does that make sense yeah yeah no for sure um I'll, I'll respond here to both of you i so i think to to bring up the you know the love sickness and actual sickness that often led or, or sometimes would leave 
lead ancient peoples to fast. I think gives us just some context around what maybe the Israelites were thinking of when they brought when when the idea of fasting was brought up. Um, I think it's you could say it's um, it is a it's a sign of overwhelm that that one fasts, and so I, I I'm not I'm not saying that like the the purest form of fasting is when you lose lose a loved one or when you you know you're lovesick or something like that, but that rather it's when you when you're fasting what you're doing is you're is you're taking you're you're almost playing the role of someone who's distraught or overwhelmed mm-hmm. um that someone someone who who finds that in their daily taking up of bread the satisfaction isn't there that that um is often associated with with fulfilling our hunger um that bread just doesn't taste good enough right now because my loved one isn't here with me or because um, the, the person that I love, I can't have yet, or I don't have yet. Um, so there's a, there's a longing, there's, a, um, there's an overwhelm, there's a distress to fasting that I think um, when you begin to fast, you, you almost are invited to look into your life and say, where are you overwhelmed? Where are you distressed? Where, where, is, God, or where, is, where is the food of, uh, where is your daily bread not enough for you, right? Where is God... Um, where where does God not feel tangibly present for you? And I think that that's kind of like the invitation of of fasting. And I'm and I'm not sure that it's actually something that you need to impose over fasting. I think that fasting almost invites those questions because it's it's a it's a bodily it's you're putting your body in the place where it, it can ask those questions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm. I like what both of you have to say. For me, I'm still I'm still grappling with distinctions and and what fa- like I want to be clear on what fasting actually is like definitionally speaking. Like for me, like Nate, when you were talking, um, and and making the distinction between voluntary and involuntary uh, fasting, like I think I would steer away like for something like involuntary fasting. I certainly don't deny that God can't. Uh, you know, come alongside like somebody who may be suffering from that and, and impact them in, in a spiritual and real, like deep type of way. I'm just not mm-hmm. sure that I would call that. I, I'm not sure I would attach the label fasting to that. Like, I, I think I would just call it something else. Like these people are yeah. starving and God comes alongside yeah. them. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I, because, you know, I, I want to be careful with the word fasting because I think there's a difference between I mean, what you might call scriptural passing or fasting or biblical fasting or Christian fasting, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever you want to label it. And like um, the concept of fasting that's kind of prevalent in the world today. So like uh, when you were talking earlier with your Chris Hemsworth example, like, sure, you can you can call that fasting. It it has all the same mechanics of fasting that he was um, Mm -hmm employing in in his real life but um i wouldn't call that like scriptural or biblical fasting like it doesn't seem to fit the model like i'm just like right now i'm just surveying like all of the texts and i don't see a single one where like they all seem consistent with one another of like what what they're doing with fasting like it's always for some like i was saying earlier some sort of purpose that they have in mind whether that be repentance 
what to do, like you see in the Acts narratives, like what to do with the church um, mm-hmm. and how to proceed, like um, or mourning over a, a certain event and wondering what to do with that or something. There's mm-hmm. always like some undergirding principle where they're seeking God, like for some reason, whatever that reason may be. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I th- <clears throat> like for the example with somebody who might be involuntary fasting, if you want to put that label on it, or like Chris Hemsworth, like the in- that that intention doesn't seem to be there. And so I'm I'm like mm-hmm. I'm making a distinction between like some like somebody who's seeking to fast in the in the biblical type of way, and like what others might call fasting that I think lacks that undergirding principle i guess so definitionally i just want to be careful because i don't want to label some things as as fasting and people walk around saying i'm fasting but like the that same intention isn't there so like an example i think of this is like you know when jesus is saying uh in matthew 6 and he's talking about fasting and saying like don't look gloomy like the hypocrites don't disfigure your face things like Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. You, you can call that fasting it has all the same mechanics but like the underlying principle is like their intention was wrong like they're doing it for the wrong reasons so like mm-hmm. um i don't know do you, do you am i kind of making sense are you guys getting yeah. what i'm saying so oh no i i think the distinction has to be made like yeah. there have to be distinctions made i so in the ancient world it would have been the the distinction between starvation and fasting yeah. which i think is one that we don't commonly see at least in the west nowadays so it's not a distinction i mean like it's kind of obvious right mm-hmm. um and then i think for us in the west it's the distinction between fasting for health purposes and fasting for for our, the sake of our souls i think there's there's a there's a mass difference there mm-hmm. absolute difference yeah yeah here's something else to think about too that i also this almost goes against the point that I was just making, I think, maybe. <laughs> but, like, I'm struggling in my mind, too, about... Because I forget which one of you mentioned it, but, like... I think it was you, Jacob. Like, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and, and the Eastern Orthodox Church, and I would imagine the Anglican Church as well. Some of the more high church um, settings will uh, have, like, a ritualistic um, setting where they call their congregations yeah. to fast... And I don't want to say that that's, like, wrong, you know, because I was just making the point about, like, intention behind fasting. Clearly, I think, like, intention should be there. But, like, should we say, like, if you're, like, I want to steer away from saying, like, you have to, like, 100%, like, know that your intention is, like, in the right spot. Like, you have to be, like morally perfect like to fast or something like with your intention behind it because like yeah, that could be the other side of the of the yeah you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so like i don't want to say like i'm totally against like a ritualistic fast or something like that perhaps even what the pharisees were doing like in matthew 6 that jesus is talking against but i'd also mm-hmm. don't want to like totally steer it away to where there's no intention behind fasting whatsoever i think we just got to be cautious of both of both of those ends i think would the issue in that situation that you're describing eric be like like a pastor of church calling uh the people into a fast but the people not having not not being in the right frame of mind and not having the right heart posture towards that fast 
Yeah. Uh, rather, they're just they just feel obligated to because they're being because everybody's being asked to. Is that kind of like the issue that you're, yeah. you see in that? So, like in in my mind right now, there's like a dichotomy because Jacob brought up you know some of the higher church um, settings like will call for like a, a fast of their congregation. And mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, you have more of like the, I would say like the evangelical approach to it nowadays, at least the, you know, the, I think the biblically faithful ones will be like fast, but your heart has to be in the right place to do it. And like, I, I see the danger on both ends of that. Because if you don't have if you don't have the ritual, the danger of that becomes, well, you have to have like one hundred percent, like inner certainty that you're fasting for the right reasons in order to do it, and then all of a sudden like nobody fasts, you know, because everybody's yeah. always going to have some excuse to not do it, like because they're not certain about it, and then on the other end of that, like the critique is, well, if we just make it like a rigid ritualistic type type thing like then people are just going to fast and their intentions are going to be all wrong and then like below and behold we're we're left with what Jesus was talking against with the Pharisees in Matthew 6 so like mm. um I'm kind of, do you see the dilemma I'm kind of putting myself in <laughs> right here <laughs> yeah so yeah. i like one way to to maybe um help clarify the the that which makes fasting what it is um is it's it's and and maybe the way that you could create an environment where there is a routine fasting or a rhythmic fasting that's that's brought into the christian experience and and the calendar of our lives without devolving it into just like an obligation or a ritualistic practice um is uh there's there i think if you become too individualistic in your understanding of what fasting is, there may not be a good reason to fast. Um, but we are one body, and where one of us is hurting, all of us ought to be hurting, right? Like, that's, that's like, I think how Paul kind of portrays the body, is that, like, where one is suffering, all suffer. So, fasting, I think, can be the occasion in which we remember the suffering of others. And so things like um, fasting for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in Ukraine, um, right, or or in Israel-Palestine, that whole situation, um, or um, even just our neighbor down the street who's suffering from, um, you know, maybe they they got laid off um, or, or whatever else. I think there's a way in which you can always gear fasting towards the love of your neighbor and the seeking of God's providence and goodness for your neighbor's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the way that you keep a routine fast, is that you you highlight that the body suffers together. Um, and actually, I think this goes to the real heart of Christian fasting, um, which, you know, like, because there's fasting, like I said, in... in basically any of the Abrahamic religions, um, and probably in religions outside of that as well nowadays. And so fasting is not unique to Christians. So what makes a, a fast Christian, I would say, is if it looks like the cross. So if it's the taking up of, of suffering for the sake of your neighbor. Um, and I think that's where a lot of Christian fasting falls short, especially in the American context, because I think 
you know, I'm just thinking about my own experiences with fasting. Fasting for me has always come from my own distress, from my own, like, um, preoccupations with things, um, or, or desire to seek God. So, Mm. uh, it's a very individualistic and self-centered approach. Mm. And I think we get the kind of the, the, the seedbed of, of this, um, like idea of, of maintaining the, the, the place of the neighbor and and uh, the and the love of your neighbor in fasting. When we see, I, I'm trying to find the passage um, where it comes up. I think it's in Isaiah where where God talks about what it means to truly fast, um, and he says basically like share your bread with the hungry. Um, and so I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians, will fast and whatever they don't use money wise for the food that they're um, you know, for going, um, they, they give to someone in need. I think that's a great tangible way of loving your neighbor in the midst of fasting. So then even if you're fasting with, like, you can't get your heart in the right place, you're tangibly loving your neighbor, right? Yeah. You're doing something for the sake of your neighbor. But I think it, even if you, you know, don't do that, I think there's a way that if you fast for the sake of your neighbor, right? So you, you take a, a time a week and even if you don't have anything you're bringing to God for your own self, or for your family, um, your your situation, your life, you can insert the the needs and and place of your neighbor mm-hmm. into your heart, and it, it becomes an occasion to remember and to love your neighbor. That's great. Yeah, I really like that you brought in loving your neighbor and the fasting. That's yeah. Even in my own mind, I think I was thinking more individualistically, even right there. So that's yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, and and it's not uncommon. Like, I mean, our our American context, I think, almost every spiritual practice comes boils down to an individualistic enterprise. Mm-hmm. So right. it's yeah, like uh, most of the time, I'm thinking in individual terms as well. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, so okay, I just kind of want to like summarize what you're saying, so I can make sure like we're following the the point. Um, you were saying that. Fasting essentially should should look to the cross or look like the cross, um, and you know, you, from there you ask the question, well, what does that mean? And essentially, like, the cross represents the ultimate love for neighbor, where Christ dies uh, for his people and undeserving yeah. people. Um, and in the same way, um, we follow that example of love for neighbor by fasting and and seeking the betterment or the the better good i guess you could say for our neighbor uh, whatever that may look like in whatever context you find yourself in yeah okay yeah and 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 maybe to push it even further like or to, to root it into the life of christ we, there's a point where christ goes to fast and it's like the famous story right yeah. he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to fast which is a, a mirroring of of moses going up on the mountain for 40 days in the face of the lord and not eating bread or, or drinking anything. So, Which, by the way, I looked that up in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's Exodus thirty-four. That's the first occurrence of fasting yes. in the Bible yes. too that I saw as well. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. It kind of paints our our perspective on what fasting, you know, like the heart, the the, the like the iconic fasting could be. But yes. anyway, so so Jesus goes out into the desert and he and he's walking around and he's being tempted and you could say well he was just trying to like grow in his holiness or something else but what's interesting is right after that is when he begins his ministry yes so to some degree it's not just that you can 
utilize fasting to bring up the cause of your neighbor. But fasting can become the occasion by which you are sharpened for the sake of your neighbor. So, so Christ goes out into the, to the wilderness and for 40 days, he has to resist temptation and to, to walk in the spirit. Um, and immediately after that begins proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm. So it's, it's, it's that, um, I think there are times in our life where we might be called to fasting or to disciplines of a sort like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where the the true recipient of our of our of our labors, the fruit that you know like could be harvested from that, will actually not go to us, but will go to those around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a way of kind of abstracting the principle beyond just the the concrete of fasting. Yeah, um, from food. That's really good. Yeah. So let me let me back it up a little bit because I kind of want to trace our our line of thought. Like it, sure, give sure, a sure, bit sure. of a summary of, of where we've gone so far in this episode to make sure we're consistent and everybody's following along. So we like kind of started out with like definitional pieces of, of fasting and how we viewed mm-hmm. it in our own experiences. We talked about it being like um, having a, needing to have a purpose and, and the meaning of having an intent an intent behind it. And then we kind of mm-hmm. gave some nuances to that. Um, and we even talked about like the actual like physical ramifications of what fasting does to your body is what Nate was talking about. And then even how people like unbeknownst to them follow the pattern of fasting, whether or not we want to call it fasting, like we follow that Mm -hmm. pattern when we face hard times in life, like unbeknownst to ourselves even sometimes. And, Oh, I hope that didn't, I just got a call. I hope that didn't ruin my recording, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it should be fine. It looks like it's fine. Um, so, and then all of that, I feel like was, well, maybe it wasn't like inherently individualistic and I don't want anybody to get us wrong. I think there is like certainly instances where fasting is going to be individualistic for certain things and that might be going on in your life. However, like, I think that was really significant, Jacob, that connection you made right there between the Exodus account and Jesus's fasting. Cause certainly there's mm. a link between the two. It, it mirrors the stories mirror each other, like almost yeah. one, one for one. <laughs> um, yeah. Where fasting is inherently, f- um, at least, you know, in some circumstances we should be looking for the betterment of our neighbor and not just ourselves. Um, mm. maybe you could even say, maybe you can disagree with me if I say this, maybe even, like sometimes fasting for an individual purpose can be for the betterment of neighbors as well because the way we act in our lives ha- will inevitably have an impact on other people as well yeah um, that's I would say that's like the pinnacle there is it's where you begin to see your fasting no longer as a direct relation to like the fruit that that's that's being borne out by your prayers or whatever else right like so it's not so much about like i am fasting so that i might get this or so that this might be solved but rather it's for the you begin to see fasting as the formation of your character so that you can love your neighbor right perfect yep love that yeah and so um so yeah, fasting ultimately, I mean, I guess to put like a blanket statement on it, should be like to the glory of God, for God's own glory, to make him known whatever that might be, however that might pop up in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, fasting. Um, fasting is putting, making sure your appetite is for God first, which will inevitably leak out into your relationships with other people. I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. Does that did I cover most everything there? How like kind of our line? How we went? <laughs> I wanted to make sure yeah, we weren't just like going really off into into rab- rabbit trails and things like that because I think it's all connected. But <laughs> I'm impressed that you can remember all that. That's like that's pretty cool. That's um, a cool skill. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I kind of missed. We want to we want to definitely I think put up the guardrails on like certain things that happen with fasting. So like what is like the biblical model for fasting and the parallels we might see with that model and things that happen in the world whether that be like we were kind of talking about like voluntary and involuntary fasting or fasting that we see other people do like in the culture nowadays like intermittent fasting or the chris hemsworth thing or something like that and then we also want to put up the guardrails like um for like how fasting is to be done like in the church today kind of more ritual Mm -hmm. versus individual um Mm -hmm. intent laden fasting however you want to put it and it almost seemed to me jacob like when you were breaking that part down like you you would lean more towards like um a ritualistic fasting because you can always like bend that to like something outside of yourself like there's always something you can you can do to make it uh, fasting for one's neighbor, which would be in alignment with the Exodus narrative, like you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think I think ritual is the the lost piece for a lot of our communal engagement with God. Yeah, I think we we lose the ability to commune with God with each other when we don't have ritual and routine because everybody's on their own schedule, everybody's doing their own thing. And I think that connecting with God together is one of the key pieces of maintaining that our love of God does not become a hate of the neighbor, right? Like, mm-hmm. like oh my gosh, the amount of times that love of God, like a Pharisee, right? The love of God becomes this kind of like vitriol against neighbor or vitriol against the world and no longer a suffering love. I mean, like that. It's it's the it's the tendency is for that. Like you know, it becomes zeal for the Lord rather than love of the Lord, and um, and so I think ritual is a way by which we can maintain a count like uh, a liturgical, a, a calendric, um, you know, devotion to God with each other. Yeah, maintaining those bonds. So yeah, very very. I would say it's in, it's crucial to have a ritual. I have a I have a quote on that point. This. This quote, I'm glad I remembered it because it hit me when mm. I was reading it earlier. Um, this is actually a, I'm quoting a book that's quoting a book. So this is a quote of a quote. Love that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. That's but, seminary in a nutshell, huh? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, but, uh, so this is, this is for anybody who, who might want to read the book. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's by Don Whitney. Um, this mm-hmm. isn't a quote specifically about fasting, and it's not about ritual per se, but you might as well substi- substitute the word ritual, the the word he uses, which I think is pretty much the same as discipline, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so here's this quote about discipline that I think is in line with what you're saying about ritual. It says, discipline has become a dirty word in our culture. 
I know I am speaking heresy in many circles, but spontaneity is greatly overvalued. The spontaneous mm-hmm. person who shrugs off the need for discipline is like the farmer who went out to gather the eggs. As he walked across the farmyard toward the hen house, he noticed the pump was leaking, so he stopped to fix it. It needed a new washer, so he set off to the barn to get one. But on the way, he saw that the hayloft needed straightening, so he went to fetch the pitchfork. Hanging next to the pitchfork was a broom with a broken handle. I must make a note to myself to buy a broom handle the next time I get to town, he thought. Mm-hmm. By now it's clear that the farmer's not going to get his eggs gathered, nor is he likely to accomplish anything else he sets out to do. He's utterly <laughs> he's utterly gloriously spontaneous, but he is hardly free. He is, oh, if anything, wow. a prisoner to his unbridled spontaneity. The fact of the matter is that discipline is the only way to freedom. It is the necessary context for spontaneity. I feel called out. <laughs> so yeah we we mentioned spontaneity in the beginning and i'll admit myself like in personal practice with fasting i'm I'm not good about keeping uh yeah. a routine fast or a disciplinary fast i guess you could say um i tend to be the one that fasts like if a big moment or something comes around or something like sure. that or if i feel called out from a sermon or something <laughs> yeah probably better than nothing but you know it is it is better than nothing. I don't want to, you know, go too far in what I'm saying. But nevertheless, um in continuity with uh, a rich a more ritualistic fast, I guess you could say, I think that quote is is meaningful. Yeah. One other element that I do think we need to to bring up before we close here is there are a lot of people nowadays I work with students, so there's there's I hear this often. Whenever we do a fast, there's the question well, you know, I have an eating disorder or I have, you know, like this, you know, negative trauma with food. Is there another way that I can implement this in my life that, that is, is equally valuable, right? So can I fast from my phone? Can I fast from, um, social media? Can I fast from, you know, whatever else, right? Can I fast from school for a day or my homework or, you know, take a, a Sabbath? Is there, is there something else that I can do basically? So what do you guys think about people attempting to substitute for fasting something else some other you know um regular drive yeah i think i think in principle it still follows all of the same mechanics of fasting when you're like not doing something else for the purpose of like seeking god um yeah i just wouldn't call it biblical fasting because it seems to me every time you read about it in scripture it always has to do with food um yeah that being said I think there's a number of ways that the Bible, and I'm going to credit most of what I'm saying here to my spiritual disciplines professor, Don Whitney, that I was talking about, Right. but scripture lays out a number of different ways that you can fast. It isn't always like no food and water in every account that you come across in the scriptures. Like mm-hmm. um, some people drink water, you know, during their fast. I would say most people even today probably drink yes. water throughout their yeah. fast. Um I think in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, you see, maybe it's not Daniel, but I think it's Daniel. Oh, yeah, I know it's Daniel. I know what <laughs> yeah, you're talking about. Yeah. Um, they eat vegetables, like, as they're fat, and, the, and it ascribes fasting as they're doing that. They, they're not eating other foods except vegetables as they go yeah. on. Um, There's a, uh, a part in Daniel, hold on, I have it written down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says, 
Um, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips. Is and that I Daniel used lo- 10? No lotions. Um, I don't know. I don't have the reference here, but it's in my notes. Um, yeah. It's probably, not, probably like Daniel 10. It's um, after all the stories. Yeah. There are instances in scripture where you will see things like a supernatural fast. Like, I think Jesus's 40-day fast seems supernatural when, when you read it. Absolutely. Like, no food and water. I think it happens in Ezekiel as well, if I remember right. Mm. Um, where they're, they're not eating food or water for, like, 40 days or something like that. It's, like, yeah. physically impossible. Where yeah. I think you have to say it's something supernatural. Um, but I think <laughs> most of the time when I hear fasting brought up, it's just food. I don't hear like I know the Moses thing. There's a there's a qualification that he also doesn't drink water, which is crazy. Yeah. But it doesn't say that in the Gospels, and it, I don't I don't know about the Ezekiel one. I, I haven't I haven't looked at that. But I could so please, I could be mixing I up say, my please my drink water. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna fast. Yeah. I, I all die. of that to say, where I was getting to is like. There, there doesn't seem to be like there's actually let me let me change how i'm going to say it there's multiple models for how one can sure, fast sure, sure, in, sure. A, in a biblical way um and yeah. so if you have an eating disorder or something i don't think that's like a um a go ahead to say that i can't fast or i should never fast i think right. there's ways to fast i mean you can like abstain from from like watching TV or or being on your phone mm-hmm. or something like that, I just think that's that's not the biblical model. It, it, scripture doesn't talk about fasting from right. things that are not food, you know. Yeah. So um, I I mean, talk with your doctor, <laughs> like do 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 what it takes. But like I think if the if the goal is to honor the the scriptural model, I think there's ways to fast that still probably can accommodate like how. Um, you might be approaching it in your personal life. And yeah. like um, another note on that too, like fasting doesn't have to be like a 40 day event like Christ, you no. know, it can be no. a meal, you know, it could be yeah. two meals, three meals, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. We're not saying you have to starve yourself for days when, when you fast no. um, there. Th- yeah. Uh, the point I'm getting at is there's, there's ways to do it and, and honor the scriptures. Mm. that's good i i think there's um and i want to hear what nate has to say as well on that um i yeah i would i would say as long as like there's there's places like so i'm thinking of first corinthians i think it's first corinthians 7 um where paul says you know do not uh what is it do not Ah, what's the word that he uses do not um deprive one another do not deprive one another he's talking about sexual intercourse he says, "Do not deprive one, an- uh, one oh, another this of this one, yeah. intimacy, except for for a period of time, so that you may come together, so that you may go and pray, right? An agreed upon measure mm-hmm. of time." I would so I I think there are other places where you see something like an abstention from a good, right? So mm-hmm. not so ceasing from something that's good, um, or that or that is even if it's not good, it's normal, right, to the human life. Um, and so I would just say, just call it, I'm abstaining, right? You don't have to call it a fast, right? Like, you, we can, um, I, but I also, I, I, I think you're right, Eric. Like, I think there's, there's a particularity to fasting that, like, it involves food. In the same sense that I would say, like, we shouldn't call, we shouldn't call just getting together with a group of friends um, church 
and we shouldn't call um, eating like, crackers just, and hot chocolate yeah, and calling that communion. communion right? The there's Lord's there's supper. a certain yeah. there's a certain patterning that needs to be maintained just just for the sake of the tradition, right? Like like you know, have mercy on the tradition, right? Um, but yeah, like I, I think there's certainly precedent for abstaining for other things for spiritual purposes for prayer right so yes. so just call it an you're abstaining or you're ceasing i'm i'm taking a pause i'm breaking away for a season whatever right. you want to call it right you don't have yeah. to call it a fast mm-hmm. yeah Nate, i mean because me, yeah i mean if i were to i guess summarize and kind of maybe give a response to people that are like well you know i'm i'm worried about my health or um, mm-hmm. all those types of things. I think that, the, yeah, there are other ways to to fast or to abstain. Uh, like Jacob said, I think that's a great word uh, to use maybe instead because the point, the, the point of fasting is the hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to get to that point where you, you need something for your survival, but you are relying on the Lord ultimately. Not to the point of death by any means. But to the point where you you feel the desire for that thing that is life sustaining, and you fill it with the Lord, yeah. um, it that is the point. And so, yeah, y- you can you can quote fast or abstain, you know, from your phone, but that's not uh, required for life. You know, you you might feel the hunger towards your phone or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and you can fill mm-hmm. that obviously with the Lord, uh, and and. and remind yourself that yeah life is life is going to be okay i'm going to be okay if i don't have my phone for a day or a week or whatever um but but fasting from food takes it to that next level because it's required for life that's what makes it so insane you know and what makes it such a good practice in order to turn your mind towards the lord because you are holding that that key ingredient from from your life so the, yeah. the, if I were to boil it down, you know, the, the point of fasting is the hunger or the hunger is the point, you know, and, and because that points you and leads you ultimately um, to Christ. Uh, it, it points you back to your maker who is ultimately the true and full sustainer of your life. Um, mm-hmm. More so than any food, you know, food, food is temporary. I, um, what is it? Um, uh, it's like, uh, you know, you, you, if you eat one thing, you're going to get hungry again. But if you have yeah. the bread of life, you'll never be hungry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's really the point. Now, now obviously, the, the point of fasting is not to go to death. You know, it's not to starve yourself or anything like that. So, so fast, but be healthy, you know, and, and you can modify mm-hmm. your fast and even, you know, like... Um, like juice cleanses nowadays are really just kind of like fasts because there's mm-hmm. not really any sustenance. You know, the, you know, fruit smoothies are just like sugars, you know, to give you mm-hmm. enough, uh, uh, enough glucose to get you through the day, but you're depriving yourself of so many calories that it's really like a modern fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, where was I going with that? Anyway, the, sorry you can modify your fast you know you don't have to abstain from all food you know much like we saw in daniel yeah you know you mm-hmm, can abstain yeah. from choice foods you know that that being meat very high protein and alcohol um 
and you can just do veggies. You know, you can scale back the amount of food you have in a day uh, mm-hmm. dramatically, you know. Uh, but if you have certain uh, medical conditions, it's like, you, stay healthy. <laughs> like, please, we, we urge you to stay healthy. Um, and, and yet, at the same time, fast in a way that uh, gets you to the point of feeling hungry for the Lord, mm-hmm. yeah. if that makes sense. Yep, yeah. that's great. Just one one little point I was going to make. Uh, this pertains to what you both said. Like, in case somebody like wants to object against what we're saying and say no, like me not looking at my phone is fasting. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to say that that's fasting, you're also going to like have to deny that there's a category for the Sabbath as well, because you're going to have to say the Sabbath is fasting from from work. Like right. and, and just deny biblical categories if you're going to say that. So, yeah. like I, what I'm saying and what I want to be careful of is that there is a category for fasting, and biblically speaking, it always has to do with food, like every single time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, what Jacob was saying is like the category of like ab- just call it abstaining or something like that is really helpful yeah. because it's it makes the category distinction between fasting and something else. Yeah, and and it's still good, right? Like. Yes. Too 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 fast from work, right? Or it's uh-huh. a Sabbath is good. It, it just because you can't call it a fast doesn't mean, or you shouldn't call it a fast doesn't mean that it's not a good thing. Right? Yeah. It's like fasting right. is the only thing, right? Like that, uh-huh. you know, there there are categories for abstention beyond fasting uh, for abstinence. So yeah, um, shall I close this? I think so. Do it. All right. Well, this has been awesome, my friends. Uh, I'll, I'll add a quick note. I'm so sorry if you guys hear on the recording, like, background noise. Uh, there's a guy leaf blowing right outside. I swear, I don't <laughs> realize how loud the place I live in is until I start recording. Me I become, too. like, hyper-aware <laughs> of I, I how didn't re- every, t- every sound. <laughs> I every... didn't realize until we started talking, we have, like, our little air purifier thing going on right right, right, so i'm sure i have a white noise in my entire thing unfortunately (laughs) we're still amateurs so (laughs) i can see like it it, i you know i just got this super nice mic from my friend and i'm like it doesn't even matter if it's a nice mic if it just picks up every background noise right like oh man (laughs) yours has like the built-in like little audio filter thing or whatever right though yeah i'm still i'm still screwing with how to how to make that work right um I, okay. I hope it's working. Right now, I hope it's working, but I can see the waveforms being affected by the oh, leaf blower and stuff, and I'm oh. like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, we'll get it. Anyways. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Triclinium, guys. Um, if you have any comments or suggestions on what we should talk about next, um, any questions, uh, go ahead and reach out to sophomorosofficial at gmail.com. That's S-O-P-H-O-M-O-R-O-S, official. Uh, at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you Um, and as always may Christ be exalted